Part one of Joseph Conrad A Personal Remembrance by Ford Maddox Ford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part one, section four. Into the still depressed note of the pent there had introduced itself the tremendous panorama of sea and sky that showed from Aldington with its knoll we passed our time driving the amiable mare or the infamous exmoor pony between one and the other we went out of a sunshiny morning with bits of manuscript we returned through bitter rainstorms the mud splashing up visibly before the dim lanterns the manuscript read aloud commented on docketed for alteration it comes back as a time of great tranquillity though the high skies of aldington with the sickle-shaped painted marsh and the flat channel ending with the pink cliffs of boulogne seem cracked as the surface of an old bright painting will be cracked with the agonies of conrad's poverty unsuccess negotiations and misgivings still a time of great tranquillities and at intervals there were triumphs pinker a blinking brahma in the shape of destiny would grant an unimaginable advance william heineman the most generous and wise of publishers a jew at that would hand out an unexpected check on the top floor of bedford street whilst the writer kept pauling a blond christian but much more like a publisher than his semitic partner interested as well he might with a description of the plot of the inheritors a thin collaboration with no plot in particular that heinemann's eventually published then conrad would come in buttoning his overcoat over the check mr pauling would throw up his hands and exclaim to the writer you've let him get in at that ass william again by god that is not cricket and the two conspirators against the peace of mind of number thirty one bedford street would proceed to the famous bodega just out of the strand there with sir henry irving and nelly farren at adjoining tables over smoked salmon and champagne in small tumblers they would play dominoes until four thirty the last train for sandling junction with its quiet lines of scenery its fresh breath of air and the mare in charge of the stable boy who would be just lighting the lamps of the trap that last train leaving charing cross at four fifty and getting down just at dusk there is something conducive to writing in low rooms in a commonplace downland country with nearly level fields that run into quiet convolutions away to a distance let the direct lighting be modified by a barn the illumination coming from the peak of the sky let there be a quarter-deck walk up and down which conrad may turn in his pyjamas and dressing-gown occasionally getting relief from his thoughts in a glance at the quiet fields amongst which the writer will be practising golf-strokes well in just such a room with a barn to block the direct light with a miniature stockyard in a commonplace downland country the writer sits writing and you dare to tell him that he cannot go out and in the rain catching his dangerous pony that swings round and kicks the inviting sieve of corn out of your hand just missing your chest he cannot drive the seven miles to the pent to ask conrad what he thinks of colonel marchand and fashoda you must surely be lying 
or you mean to tell him that in half an hour conrad in the dilapidated motor hired from the white heart at stanford won't be coming in to ask what we are to think of fashoda and colonel marchand and what we should do if there is really war with france we get the london papers only by the second post at four thirty and do not as a rule look at them until to-morrow at breakfast time but in these exciting times with colonel marchand crossing the sahara and hoisting the french flag in a position which kitchener of khartoum has stated to be the key point of the british empire in africa and consequently on the road to india and the french with their extraordinary point seven five quick-firer field gun it all turns on what the germans will do the russians having their hands full in the far east it was like that when we were not discussing the desirability of the word bleu francais as an adjective to apply to cabbages in a field or when we were not moved to queer enthusiasms over the use of words by christina rossetti but if you tell me that i cannot put in tommy and drive through the rain to the candlelit pent no o oh, gaz electricite in that gentleman's residence well if you tell me that i suppose you are right c'est l'amour d'un silence éternel qui descend devant vous mon vieux for the feeling through a large part of a century was for the writer very strong that conrad was there who might be consulted about a difficulty in politics in the architecture of a story over an english word or about the french for romance for which there is no french the irresistible feeling that one had about him was that he was practical that the last thing that he was was slav for the slav to be true slav must be as helpless before the vicissitudes of this world as helpless as is a newborn kitten a greyish sprawling object mostly jelly a sort of dostoevsky if you ask conrad how to circumvent a banker he would have an expedient if you ask him whether women ought to have a vote he would say no with decision and then remembering the part played by women in keeping alive the national feeling of his country poland where all the men took to drunkenness or lechery or listlessness after the abortive revolution of eighteen sixty two he would say that the only creature that ought to be paid the compliment of having a vote a thing always useless was such a woman as his mother madame kurtzenowski or his aunt madame paradowski or any other woman but as his private expedient he said to women in the words of the mohammedan rani of palembang why should you strive for domination during the day your power is of the night during which with a whisper you shall destroy empires the dominant attraction of conrad's mind was the firmness with which he held ideas after he had contemplated a sufficient number of facts or documents he had had great experience of the life of normal men his reading had been amazingly wide and his memory was amazingly retentive amazingly even to the writer whose memory is sufficiently retentive and whose reading wide if desultory yet conrad never presented any appearance of being a bookish or even a reading man he might have been anything else you could have taken fifty guesses at his occupation from precisely ship's captain to say a financier 
but poet or even student would never have been among them and he would have passed without observation in any crowd he was frequently taken for a horse fancier he liked that his ambition was to be taken for uh, to be an english country gentleman of the time of lord palmerston there might have been worse ambitions to understand how a pole born in the government of kiev infinitely far from even the sea should have desired to be that and should have desired it with passion the reader must keep in mind two things if not three one of them a vivid picture in the mind of the writer during the last century if you went down to tilbury dock you would see families of jewish poland immigrants landing as soon as they landed they fell on their hands and knees and kissed the soil of the land of freedom for conrad there was another side as a child he lived in a great house in poland a great house with wide avenues and many lights at night one night all the lights went out the avenues were deserted a sledge without bells came before the portico a figure cloaked and muffled to the hat-rim came up the steps and was closeted for long with the master of the house then drove away over the snow conrad said he could imagine that he heard the voice of lord de la perfide albion jingling in great bags as the sledge went away for this was the emissary of lord palmerston sowing gold all over poland so that the polish revolutionary spirit might be kept alive and russia embarrassed in her encroachments on pera or afghanistan for that was england of conrad's early vision an immense power standing for liberty and hospitality for refugees vigilant over a pax britannica that embraced the world with an all-powerful navy she had an all-powerful purse she was stable reasonable disciplined her hierarchies standing in their orders her classes settled her services capable and instinct with an adequate tradition and ready to face russia with fleet or purse when or wherever they should meet the first english music-hall song that conrad heard was we don't want to fight but by jingo if we do we've got the ships we've got the men we've got the money too we fought the bear before and so we will again the russians shall not have constantinople a pole of last century and above all things conrad was a pole of last century could ask nothing better and above all things else as the writer has somewhere pointed out conrad was a politician he loved the contemplation of humanity pulling away at the tangled skins of parties or of alliances until suddenly a strand gave a position cleared up a ministry was solidly formed a dynasty emerged he was that is to say a student of politics without prescription without dogma and as a papist with a profound disbelief in the perfectibility of human institutions the writer never saw conrad read any book of memoirs except those of maxime duchamp and the correspondence of flaubert those he read daily together over a space of years but somewhere in the past conrad had read every imaginable and unimaginable volume of politicians memoirs madame de campan the duc de audefray pasquier benjamin constant caroline bauer sir horace rumbold 
napoleon the great napoleon the third benjamin franklin asherton smith pitt chatham palmerston parnell the late queen victoria dilke morley there was no memoir of all of these that he had missed or forgotten down to il principi or the letters of thomas cromwell he could suddenly produce an incident from the life of lord shaftesbury and work it into nostromo which was the political history of an imagined south american republic that was one of the secrets of his greatness but certainly he had no prescription revolutions were to him always anathema since he was accustomed to declare all revolutions always have been always must be nothing more in the end than palace intrigues intrigues either for power within or for the occupancy of a palace the journalist's bar at the palace of the luxembourg where sits the present senate of the third republic was once the bedchamber of marie de medicis that is not to say that conrad actively desired the restoration of the bourbon he would have preferred the journalists to remain where they were rather than have any revolution at all all the revolutions are an interruption of the processes of thought and of the discovery of a new form for the novel indeed almost the only revolution that he contemplated with enthusiasm was one by which a successful adventurer seized the reins of power anywhere some king tom it was not that his visions were napoleonic his favourite modern ruler was louis napoleon napoleon one being too big too rhetorical too portentous for any intimacy we planned for many years and even wrote one scene of a historical novel dealing with first empire figures but the first empire was gone the subject was the attempts made to save ney from execution the chapter showed louis the eighteenth a bewildered figure forced to sleep and receive petitioners in a corridor between two doors the protocol providing lavish rooms for innumerable peers of france lackeys and parasites but nothing at all for god's anointed whose handkerchief was always dangling halfway out of his hip pocket that was how we or rather how conrad for the writer never had any political views of any strength at all regarded restored legitimacy yet he was fit to throw the teacups into the fire if you derided the doctrine of the divine right of kings no on the whole his favourite political character was louis napoleon as adventurer and even napoleon the third emperor of the french roused some of his admiration he liked gilt third empire furniture all other gilding reviews uniforms le Montijo mirrors fraudulent financiers the duc de morny the mexican adventurer he liked the mournful cynical sovereign surrounded by the crowd of adventurers escros rastiquetos and prostitutes in high places that brought down the empire he admired napoleon the third for his dream of a latin union which conrad found practicable and to be desired that was probably his idea of humanity a realm in which the solitary cynical not impractical dreamer is brought down by his womankind his relations his servants his hangers-on his household he saw the same microcosm in the bankruptcy and ruin of a court perfumer or of the captain of a coastwise trading-ship he prized fidelity 
especially to adventurers above all human virtues and saw very little of it in the world his favourite political anecdote that which he repeated the most often was of the maire of the thirteenth arrondissement who went to mornay then his half-brother's minister and taking the waters at spa a telegram to the effect that the whole rue de la glaciere was in a state of insurrection it ended que faire and morny replied but we are writing for anglo-saxons this not very edifying anecdote was conrad's favourite but it is not to be taken as implying that conrad's mind was unedified it simply showed his contempt for the way in which human affairs are conducted it was as if he said all politicians are such fools that you might as well conduct the high businesses of state in the spirit of morny you will only find mayors of the thirteenth arrondissement to carry out your orders he desired a stable world in which you could think and develop the new form and because at no phase of the world's history has there seemed to be a portion of the world more stable than was england under the ruling classes of lord palmerston's time he desired to be of the type of a member of the ruling classes of england in lord palmerston's day he lived as such and as such he died we are so far from those days it seems hardly likely that any one's withers will be wrung if we say that he might have had a meaner ideal we come thus to captain marriott it would be too much to say that marriott had any influence at all on conrad as writer though conrad was of opinion that marriott had profoundly influenced his writing but the effect of marriott on conrad as philosopher tel quel and as english gentlemen could not be too much stated indeed in the course of our last meeting the writer reminded conrad that almost the first literary opinion conrad ever uttered at the pent was in eulogy of marriott conrad replied that he remained exactly of that opinion marriott was after shakespeare the greatest novelist as delineator of character that england has produced the opinion must be limited to what it covers and that strictly conrad was not saying that marriott was say nearly as great a poet as shakespeare he was saying that marriott observed english character with exactitude and rendered it without exaggeration all other english novelists getting their effects by more or less of caricature the books of the author of midshipman easy are so relegated to oblivion being considered as boys books that this pronouncement may appear strange it may however be recommended to the reader's serious attention as the measured opinion of no mean critic what we are about at the moment is considering the effect of marriott upon the character and psychology of conrad that influence at least was profound and lifelong like the undertone of a song during all the years of our collaboration it was always as if conrad were saying ah but wait till i get to my napoleonic novel with the frigates in the mediterranean that was the golden age for such english as are held by the sea and during those years we planned rather elaborately a collaboration set in late napoleonic to restoration days the central figures being ney and an english milor with the spleen but the narrator a frigate lieutenant protege of the milor 
who coming from the mediterranean and gallant service with the frigates should introduce uh, the marriott touch we spent a great deal of time over memoirs of the period the writer occupying himself with dundonald english milors and the part taken by the czar in the execution of ney conrad getting his information as to the restoration period in a way that was rather mysterious to the writer so did conrad seem to have all these figures in his mind we discussed this novel till very late indeed in our association on an occasion in july nineteen sixteen conrad said indeed to the writer well you'll be able to bring something back for the ney book about campaigning in france as we shook hands alas that which wiped out so many little villages under our eyes wiped out that book too the writer abandoning for many years all idea of writing losing indeed all ability to write and conrad continued alone thus in the rover in the offing you have the vigilant and capable frigate captain and on the day of his death conrad was occupied with napoleon at elba and the frigate service of the mediterranean seeking to live again the glamour that the english sea novelist had cast over his young years in poland so tenacious are the glamours of our youth yes that influence at least was profound he looked at the world of human affairs with the eyes of jack easy and affronted difficulties with the coolness of percival keen at that statement the reader should not smile the tradition of the frigate service of dundonald and the rest was no mean one its influence on the british character was far-reaching was all-important and the achievement and tradition of england during the last century cannot be ignored by those who can be interested in the achievements and traditions of mankind the writer has said too much in other places of the influence of marriott on the writer himself and on conrad to go picturesquely once more over the matter but there are those who have read neither marriott nor the writer marriott concerned himself mainly then with the frigate warfare of napoleonic times and the frigate warfare of napoleonic times was compared with the line of battle warfare for which stand the names of nelson and his great captains as something obscure anonymous desperate and very gallant for thousands who shall know the names of nelson howe or st vincent there will be hardly one that has heard tell of cochrane yet this little service was incessant pursued under desperate conditions of weather and of inshore work the frigates being only upon occasion the mere eyes of the fleet the great fleets with the great first raiders rolling majestically from ocean to ocean half the world over and then back again to fight now and then a trafalgar or an aboukir but the frigates were at it every day in the mediterranean such a service without comfort without advertisement almost without the glory of the king's uniform for its officers dressed like sweeps remained midshipmen to the age of forty and were betallowed to the elbow was the meaning of england to conrad as to the writer during his younger years one saw the self-sacrifice the patience the fidelity and if conrad in later years wrote of fidelity as the key word of his message it was of this fidelity that he was thinking 
a fidelity not to a realm from which they were for so long absent and not to a royal countenance which never shone upon them but a fidelity to an idea to a service the idea was this in the first place came the sea the sea not as a bitter element but as an instrument by means of which the frigates battled against inefficiency strange customs the eating of frogs wooden shoes upon the sea were only the english and the french the english as the representatives of that almighty which holds the sea in the hollow of its hand the english blonde hardy cunning vigilant each one six foot and over jolly in the exact image of their maker cordial the french the subordinates representatives of satan perpetually driven off the sea to hide behind the moles of toulon or of cherbourg perpetually creeping out as do bedbugs from crevices in walls one englishman was worth one three seventeen twenty-seven frenchmen there was the sea then and that its business its function presumably the frigates did succeed in their work though if you read french textbooks you would hardly think so any more than when reading the americans you will hear much about the shannon and the chesapeake according to the french it was lord de la perfide albion that did the trick in that way conrad got it both ways since he liked a nation that had both its sea service and its gold gold also is sterling incorruptible and has its fidelities in the meantime there had grown up another service with a tradition almost identical that of the british mercantile marine of ships not too vast to be impermeable to the weather making by means of the caprices and brutalities of the winds engrossed and perpetual departures and landfalls round dangerous headlands nowadays you will find little enough difference between the coastwise men of any nation but in the seventies and eighties of last century conrad by dint of experience found in that service muted but almost more patient and engrossed the tradition of mariette's frigates it was fidelity to an ideal the ideal of the british merchant service it was still more a tradition working efficiently for in that service all going to make up the record of british-owned bottoms even if they sailed under the flag of siam all going to contribute to the long history of what is the ship shape you had hundreds of dagos lascars swedes danes finns negroes americans crewboys and one pole conrad then in his misty youth that seemed to pass in great houses or in the prison yards of the exiled child and mostly at night or at nightfall read with engrossment marriott and fenimore cooper and so sowed the seeds of his devotion to england he had his devotion to his art and his devotion to his second country in the end his devotion to his second country overcame his devotion to his art the only occasion on which the writer ever questioned the actions of conrad and it is the truth that this was the only occasion on which any action of conrad's known to the writer was ever even questionable was when that writer accepted membership of the british academy this is a writer he should not have done nor as an artist 
the body was without venerability committed to courses of propaganda and of a habit to be destructive to the art by which conrad had made his name to which he owed fidelity accordingly on a given occasion the writer remonstrated against this questionable action it was during sad times for the nation in a gloomy room of the most architecturally lugubrious buildings that are to be found near the marble arch in london conrad was depressed there was no one that was then not depressed the writer the occasion being one for clearing up of everything that could be cleared up put the question as to why conrad had how conrad could have thus denied the gods of his manhood a knighthood yes any sort of order yes a c b or an o b e it had not been ten years or much more since when talking of the possibilities of such a foundation conrad had said that were he offered its insignia he would wear them on the seat of his trousers a jibe which we immediately introduced into the inheritors the reader should understand that this matter is one which divides forever into sheep and goats the world of the arts there are some few artists who will accept academic honors to the majority of those who are really artists the idea is abhorrent and those who accept such honors betray their brothers to this majority conrad had enthusiastically belonged you had flaubert who refused you had zola who lifelong sought academic distinction for conrad there had used to be no question as to which to follow now he had followed zola conrad answered with mildness and nothing could have been more unlike conrad both of us being upholders of the duel we had always lived together under a sort of standard of formality except upon belgian railways when conrad would refuse with fire to show his ticket to collectors because he was an englishman and they some sort of dagoes the writer never remembers otherwise to have remonstrated with the author of heart of darkness but conrad answered with heavy and depressed mildness yes to have accepted that honour might have the aspect of denying the gods of his youth that was a thing to be regarded with depression on the other hand england had offered him hospitality he had been granted fame in england and the opportunity to live in kent where the lines of the fields run quietly one into the other england was desirous of founding an institution that should as a part of its functions do some sort of honour to the trade of authorship the company in which he found himself admirable as it was was not exactly that which could have been expected but if it was a question of his private principles as against any honour he could show the english state his private principles must go by the board it was a point of view End of section 4